Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Yeah, I wrote Patrick Bergen. That's my bad. No, that's um, you. Never yeah, read Bergen's anyone else's doesn't... notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then when you see them make good and become part of a championship team, and. Um, don't no. know what that's like, but but thanks for rubbing it in. Yeah, the battle butterfly, Logan Warmoth. Um, <laughs> that's what I started calling him. It sounds like um, a badly localized Japanese fighting game. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars number 194, where we enjoying that time of year when they dust off all the uniforms with numbers over 60 and they just slap them on to random players right before game time. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the very astute Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. How about you? I'm good as well. Uh, we find you in Florida as you are at this time of year, uh, usually because of your uh, family uh, situation, allowing you to pop down there and spend some time. So you have some eyes yeah. on for the relievers and a little bit of uh, spring training talk. So that's cool. Um, we do have a, a fairly major um, roster change compared to you know maybe what, what we would expect at, at this time of the year. Um, and then, of course, we have... Um, some pitching things to discuss uh we have the fact that the blue jays are going to be kind of hard to find on television during spring training ahem and uh <laughs> yeah we we didn't discuss it last podcast i think it had already been you know out there but it turns out after years and years of insisting that they would never mess with the baseball um yeah they're gonna mess with the baseball then we are going to talk to matthew Corey about the Red Sox, which is about a year ago. We were at this point and everything kind of went downhill from there. So hopefully that's not the start of something like that again. <laughs> and of course, we have a do-over for the mothership, as they call it. Um, because, yeah, there's a there's a problem with the Blue Jays radio broadcast this year. And we're going to discuss how it shouldn't have even come to this. I think I've outlined most of it. Have I not, sir? I think so, yes. So you have laid real human eyes on real human baseball players who are out there for the Toronto Blue Jays. What have you in first impressions? Yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm down here. Not I didn't come down for spring training. I come down for family reasons. But uh, yeah, so I was at the first game that they played where here I was thinking, okay, I'm going to uh, I'm going to the first game. I'm get to see Springer. Sammy in all the, it was all minor leaguers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, I, I did get to see Austin Martin. And uh, before I get into the, the pitchers who were all major leaguers, I have to give my wife's scouting report of Austin Martin, which was just fantastic. Cause I told her that one of the, the guys who was playing was like a minor leaguer, but he was a draft draft pick when he was on deck. She's like, is that the minor leaguer? He looks smaller than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> A truly minor leaguer. 
<laughs> and it was him, which is what was really mm. funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, so like in that game, the Jays sent out Robbie Ray, Nate Pearson, David Phelps, Francisco Liriano, Ryan Baraki, Jordan Romano. So there was a lot of major leaguers pitching, and, and, and a couple of those guys specifically were you know worth taking a look at. I'll go you know through them in some level of order, but uh, yeah, I mean Robbie Ray threw twenty two of twenty four pitches for strikes, which is well, you said, I think, at one point that if you want to improve your strike throwing, he's one of the guys that it's easy to do it with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the bar started in the right spot. But, I mean, he raised the bar pretty high in the first outing. Um, yeah, obviously, did. that's the time to not be afraid to try and hit the zone, right? You're, you're not painting corners or anything in the very first outing of the spring. So, excellent, excellent work there. Because I think there was someone else. I was reading, uh, you know, one of the post games in, I uh, can't remember who it was. Anthony Kay or someone was trying to, to you know, trust his stuff in the zone and he threw like like 54 percent strikes i'm like okay a little, little more little more zone a little less trust but might, might have been pearson who i'll get to in a sec but uh but yeah i mean so robbie ray was but he other than the walks because he didn't walk anybody in springtime strikes he was very robbie ray a bunch of strikeouts but when they hit the ball it was a rocket <laughs> he, he gives up some loud contact and anthony alford took him deep and got uh you know a cheer from the 15 percent of the crowd that was there and aware of who anthony alford was <laughs> everyone knows who anthony alford was who goes to spring training <laughs> i suppose uh yeah you're not down to spring training because you don't care about baseball yeah exactly <laughs> And, you know, but obviously the, the biggest one was Romano because he let, you know, he didn't pitch at the end of last season. He had that injured finger and it wasn't supposed to linger into the season, but you know, you, it's still good to see he was hitting 98, 99 with consistency. And he showed the wipeout slider that, you know, he became known for during the season last year. So he's all the way back. And the other guy that I wanted to just quickly touch on was Baraki because, you know, he's been developing his off speed stuff over the last couple of years, he always had the change up and he, his, his slider looked really, or cutter or whatever you want to call it, looked really, really good in that outing. And he hit 90 miles an hour with it one time. So if he can just throw the kind of strikes that he's thrown every other stop in his career everywhere, I think he can be just an absolutely ridiculously dominant reliever from the left side. And the Blue Jays pretty much confirmed that there is, there is no more thought of Ryan Barucki as a starter. Yeah, which, man, that makes me sad because I still think if he's throwing 90, topping at 97 as a reliever with a wipeout slider and his really good changeup, even take a couple miles off of that, that's a really good mix for a starting pitcher. But, you know, he has had his injury problems over the years, so maybe they just decided this was the best way to to keep him healthy. I find that teams, uh, I mean, the team I follow anyway, you know, um, but a lot of teams seem to cut bait on on the starting role quicker than the fans of said teams cut bait on the starting role. Obviously, they have more information than the fans do. So that might be where that comes from. But that, that, that seems to be a not uncommon thing. We always want to hang on one more year to the idea of a starter. Yeah, I mean, I think we do that with Brett Cecil, right? And he turned out to be just a dynamite left-handed reliever. So maybe that's what they're hoping with here, <laughs> hoping for here. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely possible. Um, were you going to mention uh, Matt's? Yeah, um, just the other starters. I did so I didn't see Matt's in person, but I was talking to people who did, and he he looked great. Um, he so he and Pearson are two of the guys that he, he Ray and Pearson really like. 
we know what we're going to get from Ryu, and we pretty much know what we're going to get from Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> and those aren't the same thing, but that's okay. <laughs> They're not. Um, so those are the three guys that are going to be the most important, really, to the to the success of this team. And you know, so I mentioned what Ray did. Matts <clears throat> was throwing hard. He was get, he was getting really good movement on his on his sinker, and and you know, he struck out three over two innings, made some good defensive plays. And again, his spring training his first start. The numbers mean nothing, but there was actually a really good piece by Caitlin McGrath for the athletic where she was talking about uh, the work that Matt Bushman and Pete Walker do and how they get pitchers to buy in. I'm really hesitant to, you know, say, Oh, it's like the magic elixir, you know, having Pete Walker. But if you can really get the message across in a way that makes people understand it, I think you can really help them because these guys, Ray and Matt's have been good before. Yeah, absolutely. They have had stretches of success. Um, they've certainly, uh, Matt's came with a very, very strong, you know, prospect pedigree. So you're not trying to make something out of nothing. So I, I yeah, you, maybe there is a psychological component to that at this point in their careers that might help. Yeah. And then, and then just last quick note, just, uh, Nate Pearson, he, the stuff was there. He's, you know, consistently hit 99 about eight times. And he did to Anthony Alford what most people do, which is blew him away with velocity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, he, his command was just, he couldn't, all of his breaking balls were up and up Mm. and up and up. And so he couldn't finish off guys the way that he would probably have liked. And he put that, I mean, just. But you can all the potential in the world. You can still see it there. He, even in warmups, he threw one of the most ridiculous curveballs, not a slider, that I've seen in a long time. It was just absolute hammer. And it's just like this guy has three top pitches and a changeup that is developing. He's really easy to see why people think he's going to be an ace at some point. Yeah, sometimes it takes a little bit longer for pitchers to put all those tools in the right you know in the right arm slot or at the right point of their delivery or you know you know to make them to use them consistently i have to feel that the harder you throw the more hard the harder it is to be consistent right that's why the old school of pitching talked about throwing at 80 percent. i think that was to to give yourself the you know to be able to guide the ball better and now that's gone out of the window and it's like well throw it 100 percent. you'll figure out how to get it over the plate where you want it eventually and if you don't well at 100 percent, you're throwing so hard anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah, that that's true. <laughs> and that's kind of the, the, the thing that Nate Pearson was talking about doing a bit more of this year. Obviously, it didn't happen in his first spring outing so much. He didn't throw a lot of balls. But just not trying to be so fine. When you throw 99 to 101, you don't really need to paint. <laughs> no, you just need to keep them guessing. Just a little tiny bit. You need to have yeah. another pitch in the back of their mind and then just keep blasting away 80. 80- 85% of the time. But. And he's got it. He's got a good slider and a good curveball and a changeup, right? So if you've got that pitch mix, don't be worried about painting as much. Just throw, nope. throw strikes and throw and mix it up, and you'll just dominate. But, it, you know, it took Randy Johnson years and years, and he was a guy throwing over 100 miles an hour, to just get all of the parts you know, of his body working so that he wasn't walking a million guys a, a a season with his million strikeouts. Not that Randy Johnson ever had any trouble striking anybody out. Um, <laughs> so uh, the other roster move uh, was Patrick Murphy 
Um, all of my night that Patty Murphy died material is getting harder and harder to use because now he's on the 60 day disabled list and the Blue Jays filled that roster spot with Patrick Bergen, who Travis has been a, Bergen. sorry, Travis Bergen. I wrote Patrick twice in my notes. That's good. Everyone's named Patrick now, apparently. Uh, Travis Bergen, who has been a Blue Jay before, correct? Yeah, I wrote Patrick Bergen. That's my bad. No, that's um, you. Never yeah, read Bergen's anyone else's a, notes. <laughs> Bergen's been a Blue Jay twice. Oh. Um, so the, the, he, they left him unprotected in the Rule 5 draft, and he was taken by the Giants. He was returned to the Blue Jays last year, and then he was traded at the deadline for Robbie Ray, and now he's back again. Um, sucks for Patrick Murphy because I thought he'd – you know, we, he still could be a big part of the season, but, you know, he's had his share of injury problems and, you know, like he's got all the stuff in the world. He throws upper 90s with a wipeout curveball, could be a real, real valuable piece of a bullpen, but he's just, he just has, can't stay on the field right now. And that's, that's just really too bad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We were going to mention, so the Blue Jays last year. We should talk about Bergen just a little bit. Sure. Just quickly, just I think that because he's now a spot on the 40 man, it might make it a little tougher for Tim Meza and Francisco Liriano to make this roster. Um, but there's still a, an opening and, and, you know, he does have an option. So it's just another competition for that left hand spot, which I thought was worth mentioning. And you never know what's going to happen two weeks into the season. anyway. <laughs> True. Uh so last season, before all of this debacle with COVID and rescheduling, canceling spring training, et cetera, et cetera, I believe the Blue Jays were having a decent amount of games scheduled to be broadcast on, on the home network. They were sort of getting to doing more of that. Um, and I is the, is the final or the current number of games by the home crew, is that three right now? It's three. They actually three. Were, were crappy at it last year, too, which was... But the previous two years, they've done a lot more. So, yeah, it's it's a slow trend in the wrong direction. So we're going to – I mean, you're going to get a fair amount of – even this game, you cannot watch that we are recording during. Um, you cannot watch even on the W fan, and it's a home game for the Yankees. So I don't know what that's about, but um, I don't know. That's just to me, it's like if you want to sell the product to people – getting them interested as early as possible and keeping them interested as long as possible seems like a no brainer to me. Especially, you know, like you have this, this season, the, the off season, the Jays had interest in the product could not be higher. And then you throw in the fact that they're going to be playing the regular season in the same ballpark so you're going to have to be recording and broadcasting games from there anyway. <laughs> so it's like get a crew there and do it. Even if you can't get your proper you know, your proper Toronto-based TV crew or whatever, get some Americans to run it so in case you can't get them down there easily for the regular season. And they showed they can broadcast from Toronto just fine last year. Yeah, but I mean you you like you just said, why would you not take why not have spring training for your broadcast crew? Like, I, I just don't feel that it could be millions of dollars in costs to set things up a month early. I just, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, where, where is, where is the unaffordability of it when it also fills TV time and brings advertising dollars? Just weird. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to get into some of the ridiculous cost cutting stuff that Sportsnet is doing and that in, in our do over section, but this just seems like cost 
cutting. It's like they can show darts or something like that or replay some other like bowling tournament from for the sixth sixth time and you know because they it's like midweek games like ah oh, it's low television time anyway that's how i feel about it it's just they're just being cheap short-sighted but cheap and then the last thing um major league ba- baseball the ball itself the sacrosanct oh we've never ever done any changes to the ball except that the longer people tested and looked at the ball the more we, they realized that the ball was changing regularly and it was having a significant effect on the game now we're going to straight up admit that we're going to deaden the ball quote i believe a little bit unquote <laughs> yeah a lot of speculation about how that's going to play out and they're not even using them in spring training <laughs> so it's like you want to get used to the new ball too bad um are the yeah, seams high are they low who knows <laughs> yeah apparently they didn't change the seams they just changed the the bounciness of the ball um it's interesting. I mean, this is the kind of thing that, depending on how much it makes a difference, because, again, we don't know yet. We'll have to see how it plays out in, in actual trials and you know, in the first few weeks of the season. You know, it's the kind of thing that could affect someone like Kevin Biggio, for example, who has the shortest home run distance in baseball or among the shortest on average and the shortest fly ball distance. So, you know, if, if like he loses three or four home runs and turns them into outs, his on-base percentage drops quite a bit. Um, but that can be mitigated by the fact that they're playing in Dunedin for the first part of the season where right center is a little bit shallow. They are, there are truly a lot of moving parts in this and, and adding one more on the part of MLB. Um, at least they've been transparent that, that the ball should not be any bouncier than it was unexpectedly last year for, for once. They're like, okay, this is an intentional thing we're doing. But other than that, I don't know. I find it kind of funny that, after years of insisting one thing, it's like, well, now we better start messing a little bit with the ball. Uh, okay, fine. You do you. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think, according to what I have scanned here, that takes us through the beginning of spring training. Um, you know, we know no one makes a miracle recovery. But so far, other than the Patrick Murphy injury, we haven't got any major problems crop up just yet. So fingers crossed that that trend continues. Yep. Uh, another trend we're going to start here is talking to people about uh, their team, if their team is in the AL East, and what the prospects might be for said team. We're going to start that with Matthew Corey, and we're going to come back with him right after this. And we are happy to welcome back to Artificial Turf Wars after a full year's hiatus. That's not our fault, totally. Mr. Matthew Corey, the Sox outsider himself, at MattyMatty2000. Welcome to ATW again. Thank you. Uh, it was uh, great to get the invite. I'm always happy to talk to you guys. I think you may be our uh, most uh, most frequent alum- uh, guest alumnus. Um, on artificial wow. turfboards of all time, yeah. I mean, you you Do also I get a plaque. I, I need a plaque. You get well, maybe... we got to officially, you know, we haven't had, we haven't sent this off to be officially notarized yet. You know, oh, just... oh, okay. No, I don't want to jump the gun. Then go ahead. Yeah. Well, with COVID, <laughs> it's kind of a thing where there's a delay, and uh, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, as such, you are the authority on the Red Sox of the Boston uh, around here. Yes. Um, 
Mm-hmm. What on earth? Where shall we begin with? What do you consider? I'll, I'll go this way. What do you consider the most significant change to their roster from last season to this season? Oh gosh, uh, the most significant change. Um, well, this may not be exactly what you're going for as like a single move, but um, is the the pitching staff is. Uh, I mean, it's it's way better, but it's just way way deeper. They have. They have actual major league pitchers on the um, major league roster in the rotation. It's a novel concept. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you saw last year. (laughs) Uh, Last year, just for context, there are listeners who may not have paid attention to how bad the Red Sox were. Um, Although, Blue Jays fans, you missed out on something, man. I'm telling you. Um, (laughs) But uh, the Red Sox last year had the worst ERA that they've ever had as as a franchise. Um, so they were, they were particularly awful. And part of that was because Chris Sale needed Tommy John surgery. And part of that was because Eduardo Rodriguez got COVID and then got myocarditis and couldn't do things like, um, walk or stand up or breathe without uh, a lot of difficulty. So that made him, uh, unable to pitch predictably. Uh, and so they were, <laughs> they were depending on guys like Mike Kickham, um, who whose hair is fantastic, but beyond that, nothing against Mike Kickham. I'm sure he's a wonderful person. Um, he's a much better pitcher than I am, but he did not did not predictably do well. And anyway, so th- so that's the big difference. So they they have an actual starting rotation, which includes some decent pitchers like Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, they signed Garrett Richards this off season, um, and they re-signed Martin Perez. Uh, they have Nick Pavetta, who, you know, I, I can already hear, um, <laughs> I can already hear the snickering, but um, he's only going to be the fifth starter. Um, he does have some skills. I have it on good authority that multiple quote unquote smart teams have been trying to trade for Nick Pavetta for a while, just because he has good stuff. It's just a question of getting him to throw it in a reasonable spot. Um, Kelly, what? Sorry. Did I, I know. I know. It's, <laughs> but the thing is, <laughs> even if it doesn't work, that this is a great the great thing. Even if it doesn't work, they have Brian Mata, they have um, Tanner Houck, um, they have um, some guys in in the uh, they have Rule Five guy Garrett Whitlock, who's who's looked good so far. Everyone looks good so far, but they have Matt Andrizi. Um None of these guys are necessarily great. Um, I don't think you know. You had me on a couple of years ago, and I think I said the Red Sox were going to win like 250 games, and I, and I wasn't off by that much. Um, and but they're they're not going to win, you know, probably not ninety games unless they make some serious changes mid, um, you know, mid year and or um, you know hit on a whole bunch of whole bunch of guys. But but there is there's a lot more talent in the rotation than there was, and instead of you know throwing away two out of every five games just straight throwing them away. Um, they should be competitive. And that's sort of been the watchword of the offseason is, is making the team competitive again. Yeah, I mean, and you have to get competitive again before you can be a contender again. I wanted to ask specifically, though, about a couple of the pitchers. First off, so you mentioned Eduardo Rodriguez. What is, is he fully healthy? Is he, like, what what is the situation going into camp? Yeah, he's fully healthy. Uh, it's kind of a... Well, it's not a miracle, I guess, but but it sort of feels that way given how uh, you know how bad off he was. Um, but yeah, he's um, 
multiple, uh, you know, the Alex Cora, the the old new new old Red Sox manager, um, has said that Rodriguez is a full go. So he he should be. I mean, you know, this this is true true for every team. Uh, you know, the twenty twenty one season is going to be an exercise in managing workload, um, just because. Even guys who, you know, got sick. I don't know if anyone got sick as badly as Rodriguez, you know, at least in the majors. But um, even those those guys who missed time, you know, they didn't get a regular season's workload last year. So it's just going to it's going to be a, a weird year. And I think that's part of the reason why the Red Sox staff, you know, kind of looks like it. Eh, you know, it, it sort of fits the moment in a weird way. You know, I, it, it's not got the upside of the Dodgers or anything like that. But, but there's a there's a lot of arms, and they should be able to keep things at a reasonable level. Yeah. And, you know, given the number of innings which you just referred to, obviously one guy has had trouble fulfilling those recently. And Nathan Abaldi, were you surprised yeah. that he wasn't traded? Um, I'm sure they would have if they could have gotten rid of the money. Uh, but you know, he's making whatever it is, 17 million a year or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's just a, it's just a tough sell. Like, you know, he's, um, he's, he's a kind of a league average guy and there's just not a lot of call for, for somebody at, you know, that, you know, that level to, to make that much money. Um, you know, that said the Red Sox are you know, they're on the hook for that money, whether they trade him or not. No one's taking on that contract. So, um, you know, he probably has more, you know, use, more utility to any to the Red Sox than, you know, any other team. I mean, they sounds like Randall Grichuk. <laughs> yeah, exa- that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. You, you know, you can get uh, get what you can out of him and you're going to pay a salary one way or the other. So you may as well get something for him in, in the sense that you can use him your, yeah. yourself to make your team better. So speaking of guys who got traded, I think the one that uh, most of us are familiar with from the outside is uh, Andrew Benintendi, who, um, yeah. you know, the, the, is, is with the Royals now. But, uh, you know, how did that how did that go for Benintendi and the Red Sox? Like, how did we get to uh, Andrew Benintendi needs to be off the roster? Well, I don't know that it was needs to be off the roster, but I think that the, you know, he... 2018, he was pretty good. I think he was a four and a half, five win player or something like that. And then, you know, he kind of bulked up in 2019 and and he lost um, lost a lot of foot speed. Uh, and then, really, was just injured last year. He played 14 games and I think he hit like less than 100. I mean, he was terrible when he was in the lineup. And it's not entirely clear whether or not he was injured while he was playing or. You know, and then the injury reached a point where he couldn't play anymore, or if he was just really, really bad and then got hurt. Um, but he's got two years of team control left. Um, he's making six and a half million or so this year. I think it's six point six. Um, and I think the, you know, when I when I really sat down to think about it, you know, the the new, um, you know, Heim Bloom, the, the the new Red Sox, new ish Red Sox GM just he wasn't one of his guys and he just didn't believe in Benintendi as a guy who could be an above average player long term I'm I I don't know a gentler way to say it than that you know it kind of kind of sucks as a Red Sox fan because you know we all like these guys who come up um you know through our systems and Blue Jays fans are the same way right but there's a loyalty to prospects 
Yeah, exactly. And then and then when you see them make good and become part of a championship team and um don't know, know what that's like, but but thanks for rubbing it in. Foreign. You know, I, I swear I regretted saying that last part as soon as it came out of my mouth. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, but but it is true. And so you have you have these, you know, emotions, these feelings for, for these specific players, much more so than a guy like Garrett Richards, who, you know, I'm sure is a wonderful person, but is just passing through Boston probably. Um, and so I it, it was it was unfortunate. Um, and, you know, the Red Sox, in in my opinion, I wrote some of this at, at Sox Outsider that that I thought Ben Attendee would have a bounce back year. Um, I talked to a couple people on the Sox Outsider podcast who, uh, you know, agreed with that point of view, smarter people than me, Eno Saris specifically. Um, but, you know, the Red, the Red Sox front office didn't quite see it that way. And, and they got they got a lot for him, probably. I mean, I say probably because... <laughs> How, how high does one's voice go on that on that probably before we can't oh, hear you anymore? <laughs> it was well, it's such a weird deal um, because they got they got Franchi Cordero right, um, who's basically William Opinion. Yep. Um, and so they got they got Cordero, and so they got a fun factor. <laughs> yeah, he's he's exciting, I guess. If he's you know ever stepped on foot on the field, hey, he's got COVID already, so um, they haven't even seen him in Fort Myers yet. Um, Maybe he just maybe he doesn't exist. I'm, that's kind oh. of my theory. Maybe he's just not a, you know. Anyway, uh, we'll get back to that, or maybe we won't. Um, but they got four prospects uh, in addition to Cordero, and three of those are quote unquote players to be named later. And there's been a lot of speculation about who those guys are. You know, not specifically, but you know, are we talking? top 10 in the system kind of guys or, or whatever. And, and the informed speculation seems to be that there, there should be at least one particularly good prospect coming back. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think there's, there's three months or so to, uh, to figure out who the Red Sox want to get, but Six months. Um, yeah. So we all get to wait to see who, uh, <laughs> who the Red Sox got for it in a trade. They made like, uh, I don't know what it was a month ago or something. Hey, we That's... just found out who finished off the Ross stripling trade from the deadline last season. So we we know what you're going through. <laughs> seems perfectly legit. Um, the odds of a guy getting traded for himself seems to go higher and higher as, as these times stretch out. I swear to you that's happened before at some point. Johnny Mac, Johnny McDonald, Jay's did it to the tiger with the tigers. There you and go. Uh, Harry Cheaty also got traded for himself. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so, <laughs> You mentioned Frenchie Cordero, Cordero, not Chordero. Um, so they, they, the kind of secret about the Red Sox that people seem to have forgotten, they can still really hit, right? Like they have a lot of guys who even had some down seasons that probably shouldn't. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm pretty bullish on their um, on their lineup. And they had one of the one of the best hitting teams in baseball last year, which is weird to say because J.D. Martinez was a non-factor. Ben Intendi was a non-factor. Actually, that's not, that's not true. J.D. Martinez wasn't a non-factor. He was just bad. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, but they have uh, they, I, I'm I think Martinez will be fine. Um, you know, yep. he's a year older. He's not young, but uh, but I think he'll be fine. For a variety of reasons, we can discuss if you want. But uh, you know, Devers was sort of out of shape at the start of the year. I, I think a lot of guys were you know negatively impacted by the the start stop start up again, and I'm sure it's true of the Jays and other teams as well. Um, but yeah, Verdugo had a great year. Uh, I'm 
not so sure he's that good, but he, he had a really nice year. Bogarts is, you know, one of the best shortstops in, in baseball. Uh, people seem to forget that, but he is. Vasquez is bizarrely one of the best hitter hitting catchers in the baseball. Nobody saw that coming. coming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that was predictable. Um, <laughs> There's some questions towards the end of the lineup, you know, um, because Benintendi's gone, because Jackie Bradley's still a free agent. Um, they're depending on Hunter Renfro to probably play close to every day. Um, you know, uh, uh, Cordero may at some point show up and that could change things a little bit. Um, Bobby Dahlbeck is a first base prospect who's got a ton of power um, and uh, hit two home runs today, as a matter of fact. Um, and uh, so, you know, I'm kind of kind of excited to see how he does this year. And uh, Enrique Hernandez, who's a perfectly cromulent second baseman. So, yeah, it's a it's a pretty good lineup. I, I don't know if it's really one of the best lineups in the American league, but it should be solidly above average. And, and, you know, if, if we ever see a healthy Franchi Cordero and, you know, everything turns the way it, you know, a Red Sox fan would like, uh, then, then it could be a, a, a really top offense. So ultimately, I guess that the, the third pillar of the uh, Red Sox would be the bullpen. How, knowing that no one throws a complete game anymore, I think they declared them illegal in 2018. <laughs> um, how, how do the Red Sox uh, get to the end of the game and, and earn themselves Ws? Like, who, who are we afraid of in this bullpen or who, who are we worried about in this bullpen if, we're a Red, if you were to be a Red Sox fan? Well, um, so I think the current plan is to continue this spring training rule going forward where they can just stop the game after the well, seventh inning. Just do do what, it, you know, if you're ahead and you're feeling like that's probably what you've got, you just stop. Just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think hey, that's we're I, good, guys. I think only the home team can do that. Just so you know. So you're going to still have Actually, to figure Red out Sox something. Are just going to only play double headers. <laughs> so they're all seven <laughs> games. That's right. <laughs> now I wish I'd thought of that. Darn it. Um, well, so the bullpen is interesting as much as any bullpen can really be that interesting. Like, you know, um, Matt Barnes is back for his probably last season with the team. He'll be a free agent at the end of the year. Um, you know, lots of strikeouts, bouts of control issues, um, fair number of walks. He's your prototypical modern reliever. Uh, they, there's been a number of odd moves in in the Red Sox offseason. Probably the most odd has been the trade of Adam Ottavino from the Yankees to the Red Sox. Um, Ottavino, pretty good reliever. It's a, you know above average. Uh, I forget how much money he's making. I, I knew at the time of the deal. I think it's nine million a year. Nine. Okay. For some reason, seven was in my head, and I was like, no, that's not right. Um, but so basically the the Red Sox took Ottavino and his contract from the Yankees and also a prospect, a pitcher named Frank German. Um, and that was it. They didn't actually give the Yankees anything. <laughs> so uh, Ottavino slots right in the top of the Red Sox bullpen. I mean, he's probably one of the bigger, uh, you know, names there. Um for whatever that's worth, but you know he's a he's a solidly above average um, you know reliever. Um, they signed the a reliever from in Buffalo, by the way, where he complains about the lights and gives up ten runs in an inning. But anyway, continue. <laughs> oh, cool. I have to avoid that. <laughs> Don't worry, they'll start in Dunedin. 
So I just have to get in my Ottavino rips, and it's eight million, by the way. I was wrong, but because uh, it was just he he complained about not being able to see the catcher's signals. Like you still threw the pitch, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, I think he's a he's a fascinating reliever, just like the the style, uh, you know, of of pitching that he has. Um, I've I've liked him since he was in Colorado, and I was particularly disappointed. Um, that he ended up with the Yankees, and then uh, no, it's kind of cool to have him on the Red Sox. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, the other two guys that that they have who are probably notable one is Hirokazu Sawamura, who is a, a reliever they just brought in from Japan, and it's I, I don't know that much about him, but it, it seems like he's got a you know fastball splitter um, with a with an occasional slider, um, a lot of strikeouts. He, he's he sort of took a step forward recently. He was injured in Japan and, and then came back, uh, had, had changed his, his repertoire a little bit um, and and had a ton of success. And that this is last year. And um, and I guess that success um, is what the, drew the Red Sox to him. So he signed a two year deal. Um, and so you, you will see him. And the, the last guy is uh darwinson hernandez um who's basically also matt barnes uh tons of strikeouts tons of walks um but from the left side so uh he's also a lot younger he's he's 24 and so i think the you know the hope there is that uh you know (laughs) at some point over the next six years he'll learn to minimize the walks but um (laughs) you know we know how these things go yeah, that 7.9 walk per nine is you can only get better it was a lot you know it was a lot i'm not saying it wasn't a lot um, <laughs> i'm saying it can only get better like it's not gonna get worse well check out the strikeouts what i don't have the number in front of me it's 16.3 yeah so it's not bad right you can almost get away with walking seven guys per nine if you're striking out 16 almost carlos yeah. marwell baby oh there's a name there's a name right there um, I, I think we are fairly well oriented now to, you know, some idea of what's going on with the Red Sox. Um, I I am duty bound at this point to ask you uh, what what at the very least, what position in, in the this division do you think they will end up with? And and uh, and potentially how many wins do you think they'll have? Keeping in mind, um, a you've been way off most of the time. Um, when we've asked you to do this and, and and that's not that's not any different than any of other people we've asked that question uh and b the red sox have an uncanny ability to go from dead last to first to last more often than any other team in this division with no clear explanation of of why that happens so um i leave it's it really to you true. sir it's really true they have bounced back and forth like a like a yo-yo or something like something that bounces back and forth i mean um, josh said you have to contend before you you went and it's not true with the red sox it's just it's no, a the false red sox are the exception to that <laughs> <laughs> well it definitely makes it exciting you know if you're writing about the team it's like uh either they're you know they're a world series contender or they're a flaming dumpster fire and everybody's getting traded and or fired so um there's always something to discuss but uh, where do they finish in the division? I mean, I oh, oh the other thing I wanted to discuss. You said I was wrong every time. And go back and check the tape in 2018. I think I did pretty well. I think I had okay. um, I I said like 100 games or something like that. Yeah, I think you 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 were the first one to predict a 100 win season, and they actually passed it. Yeah. Thank you. All right, so I get some credit. Some right. credit. Absolutely. Um, I'm fine with being wrong every other year, but I'll, I'll take, <laughs> take that. Um, yeah, I mean. 
mid 80s in terms of wins feels right to me that's what most of the projections are are saying i think the i think bp has them at 79 and uh fangrass has them at 86 or 85.8 or something um so i i think seven inning games again yeah it it really helps when you can just stop a game whenever you're ahead (laughs) Um, but uh yeah i think i'll go with uh 86 wins i where does that put them in the division uh I don't know. It's a tough division. Um, that might put them in fourth place somehow. Uh, but I think I'll be optimistic and I'll say third place. And I'm not going to say which two teams or which team besides Baltimore that they're ahead of. <laughs> I, w- I will not require that. I will not. Okay, I will not you. push you on that topic. Um, <laughs> so all that is left is to ask you uh, where people can find your stuff on the Internet. Because there's always stuff from you somewhere on the internet. I've, oh, I've man, discovered over the years. There's so much stuff. So much stuff. Um, yeah, I'm I'm doing a Red Sox newsletter. Uh, it's socksoutsider.substack.com. It's free. You can go and stick your email address in the little boxy box, and um, anything I write about the Red Sox just shows right up. Or you can just go to that website and read whenever you want to read. So um, I'm you know publishing a lot of stuff it's only me so I'm I'm doing all that uh and also the uh Sox Outsider podcast um I just uh just recorded one today with um Rob Nyer of the internet so that is out on the interwebs um Sox Outsider podcast on I don't know wh- wherever you get your podcast that's where it is just had a flashback to Rob Nyer articles that was weird um once <laughs> upon a time king of of what ESPN I think or Yep. And then yeah, he up on, ESPN, yeah. Fox, and then SB and, Nation. Yeah, oh, yeah. and yeah. books, published books, and all this other stuff. He's he's still doing lots of stuff. He's a commissioner of the West Coast Baseball League. Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll, so. Always interesting to find out what people get up to with their time. Uh, as it was interesting yes. to find out what you get up to with uh, your time. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. It is always good to hear your voice. Always good to uh, uh, hear your sense of humor. And uh, may we. Uh, May we see the Sox have a very successful season, uh, except to the point where they are better than the Blue Jays, which uh, they will stop short of. I sincerely hope. I, I'm guessing you're right that, that that's what will happen, but they'll win the World Series in two years. Okay. Well, that you heard it here first, folks. A prediction that I didn't even ask for. <laughs> Wait, we're All right. still recording? Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bad, bad news for you. All right. Have a good night, sir. Take care. Thanks. Thanks, guys. And that that is the return of Matthew Corey uh, from whence he came a year ago. It feels like a hundred years ago since uh, we talked to anybody on this podcast. But but the most important people we talk to, I think, are our listeners. Uh, or perhaps we talk at them in the form of answering questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt. He got this one in early. He said, if the Jays are done adding in free agency, which player do you wish they could have got on the same contract they agreed to? I assume Josh will say Jake McGee, who would be your second choice. Okay, so the emotional part of me says Jake McGee because (laughs) I just love (laughs) McGee. He only throws fastballs and dominates. I I don't know how that still works in the majors, but he does. Uh, No, but the answer is James Paxton. Mm. 
one year, eight million or eight and a half million with incentives that can take it to 10. And he just has all the upside in the world to be the second really top of the rotation type pitcher the Jays need. So yeah, I, I think it's Paxton for sure. So I, I'm not a bright man and I'm not actually copying out, but the, the answer I was going to give was James Paxton. I'm like, that just seemed an astonishingly good deal for one year. Like it was the fact that it was one year was like, oh, come on, really? We couldn't have had that. For- okay, fine. <laughs> it's that that's already already sailed. So uh, we agree. James Paxton and, and Big Maple should be here. If only so he can't have a renaissance and throw a no hitter again against the Jays. Yeah. <laughs> Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans six uh, would like from you, Josh, a uh, an update on your parents' experience in Dunedin relative to the ballpark, i.e. The safety measures um, in and around, perhaps, uh, of viewing games in person. Yeah, so obviously Colleen didn't know that I was going to be there as well. I actually wasn't sure I was going to be going to the games. But uh, I, I actually I looked very deeply into the, the protocols they were going to be putting in place. And I spoke to the team to make sure that it was going to be done well. And they did fantastically, really. It, their staggered entrance into the stadium to begin with. And then staggered they're they're really enforcing distancing distancing everywhere in the ballpark among the already 15 percent capacity so there's this there's spacing everywhere to begin with just because of the lack of people but then at concessions saw people at the jay shop they were enforcing it there and everyone had had masks on the entire time except for when you were taking a drink or eating and it wasn't like you could just keep it off while you had your food you're supposed to put it back on between bites and drinks and they were policing it and I, th- I thought they did a fantastic job really i was really really impressed well that's good to hear that's that's uh excellent news because it, it i feel like any situation where you get hundreds of people together has the potential to devolve into some kind of chaos right away if people aren't you know really on top of it it's, 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 there's too many too many spots where things could could sort of slip through the cracks so that that's good to hear yeah and the only time when we really there was any risk of coming in contact with people was it when you're exiting because they, it's harder to police distance on exit. But in our situation, because, you know, because of the way that our situation was, we had to wait for people to go out anyway, just because of, you know, like we, my mother can't walk. So. That's a you know, time we, on we, that one. Yeah. We let them have, well, we just let people have space. So, yeah. So that, yeah. Anyway, they did a good job. Uh, so lockdown sad boy at split letters is channeling us. I think he asked why won't Rogers broadcast spring games until the very end. I'm pretty confident it would draw better viewership than poker reruns was his example or whatever else they've got for the midweek afternoon time slot. Uh, the hive mind at artificial turf wars agrees with you, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't know we had a hive mind. Did you Josh? No. Well, yeah, sometimes though, you know, it's like, I think we're right there together. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so the uh, two questions from uh, Marks Burley at Trillimo Pena. I feel like Trillimo Pena is someone who follows during the season, but isn't really an off-season fan. That's okay. Yeah, I, that's, <laughs> if, if I didn't host this show. <laughs> um, is it too late to ask what's up with Logan Warmoth? Is he an outfielder now? He also used the crossed swords for war and the butterfly emoji for uh, the, the moth. Um, and then as a possible follow-up, which baseball player's name would be the best heavy metal band? Uh, War Moth, Angel Pagan, or someone else entirely? Angel Pagan, man. Um, Pagan. 
Yeah, the battle butterfly, Logan Warmoth. Um, <laughs> that's what I started calling him. It sounds like um, a badly localized Japanese fighting game. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Um, I mean, Warmoth, he, the only chance he has of making the big leagues, and the same thing applies to Richard Arania, who was having the same thing happen, is if they can learn to play everywhere. Their bats just aren't good enough to make it as a middle infielder or a short, specifically a shortstop, which is what both of them came up as. So if they can learn to be utility players, then they can have more value on a major league bench. So that's that's what they're doing with these guys. Um, you can answer the middle band name if you like. I, I, well, I, I, I think Warmoth is probably where it's got to be. But I'm just sad that that Satan was a, like Satan was a hockey player. Because otherwise, I would have an easy third game state here. Like, nothing comes to mind. I don't generally generally sit there perusing lineups, thinking, "Okay, is that a good metal band name? Is that a good?" But I, I maybe I should start. Yeah, but one one thing just about Miroslav Shatan that I loved was that on every site his player ID number, you know, because they always have them for their for their yeah. back end. Six 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 six. <laughs> why you gotta? <laughs> That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, alrighty. Uh, that was a fairly brief bit of questions, was it not? It was. But we thank you all for them, uh, and we look forward to more next week. Uh, what we look forward to next week as well is most likely another do-over like the following. Alright, what would I do different? Well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few, let's call them, stananks. That could be worthy of a do-over. Full disclosure, um, I work for Rogers as, as a company, but I 100% think that there is a Rogers executive who is going to be typing that email at the end of the 2021 season to someone in his department about the radio broadcasts, or more precisely, the lack of radio broadcasts. My goodness. Like, who thought this was a good... Okay, so... <laughs> The Blue Jays have announced, we should, I guess we should explain it. Yes, yes, They're going we to simulcast the broadcast, which means that the TV broadcast of Dan Shulman, Buck Martinez, and Pat Tabler will also be broadcast on the radio. Mike Wilner was fired, and Ben, uh, is, ben, ben Wagner, Wagner has is, been reassigned to field reporting or something like that. Not uh, this is not a knock at Dan Shulman, who is perfectly capable of doing a radio broadcast at uh, absolute top quality. Not a knock at Buck Martinez, who, as Dan Shulman's partner, is an excellent color guy. So I want to be clear about that. We will is... continue to knock Pat Tabler because he's Pat Tabler. Mm. But... <laughs> See, the guaranteed thing to happen is that either one of the two broadcasts will suffer greatly or both of them will suffer a little bit. Because... You need way more description on the radio than you do on television. And if you have too much description on television, it's just inane because you're watching it happen. So I have noticed that when Buck Martinez does play-by-play, -play, he does it like a radio guy. He he will tell you exactly what you're seeing, even as you're seeing it. And he's... Um, Bad at it. He's, yeah, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it, it's, it's, not, it's not good. But Dan Shulman is the play-by-play -play guy, and he has a much better grasp of what to show and what to say my concern here is when statistics are getting thrown around on a graphic on the television as an example like i mean there's a lot of things in here but 
the graphic often has information that is not communicated clearly by the broadcasters reading it. It is communicated by the graphic. And those aren't going anywhere. It's not like we're not going to have graphics on the television screen for the TV people. But what the heck when you're watching the radio or listening to the radio are you going to get from from them while they sit there and hum and haw over what well you see there on uh, on there he's got uh, the the bigger slice of the pie with the 40% and you're like I can't see that. <laughs> yeah. Like take take a look at the break on that slider. It's like um how how am I supposed to do that? <laughs> There's a reason yeah. that it's separate in the first place. How yep. little baseball must you have consumed to think that the two things are equivalent? I have no idea. Not a clue. Yeah. Um, anyway. And then they're, they're saying that they're doing it for health and safety. Okay. Like, get the button out. But... <laughs> <laughs> like, they've shown that they can broadcast remotely and do just fine. There's no way this has anything to do with health and safety. It's just being cheap. They don't want to pay for a second broadcast. And, ugh, it's just bad. Yeah, two more guys in a booth with one sound engineer is is not in a separate booth is not any more healthy or unsafe than than two two booths. It's just like one booth, two booths. What's the difference? They're all going to be at a at a distance. You know, whatever. Uh, yeah, so we're going to regret that as the season goes on because uh, when those when those power rankings of broadcasts come out at TV and, and radio, it's just going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. Um, all right. So at this point, I would I would ask if uh, you have a final thought. I do. Guess who exists? That was going to be my final thought. I was waiting to see if you were going to draw it out. I guess Bravik Valera is a is a real corporeal person. I saw him with my own <laughs> eyes. He's real. You believe in Bravik Valera. You don't have to believe anymore. <laughs> You've seen Bravik Valera. The belief is no longer required. Exactly. Seeing is believing. Yeah, he played in a game I was at. Who knew? He's a real person. He's back on the 40-man roster because he he couldn't get in from Venezuela last year. That was why he was on the, on the uh, restricted list. And he's battling for the backup infielder spot, but did you just hear, existing. Did you read the he's, article today as to what he considered as as a possible option for getting to back to North America during COVID after Venezuela banned travel? Nope. Literally wading across a river that borders Colombia in order to get into Colombia, who would have allowed him to board a plane. Wow. Yeah. Did not end up doing that as someone explained to him that it probably was more dangerous than it was worth. But that that is how tough it was for him <laughs> to be a baseball player last year is on his list of possible options was wading over a river on the border crazy yeah absolutely insane so yeah that combined final thought uh be thankful that whatever you're doing doesn't involve uh whatever your international travel is rather doesn't involve being waist deep in uh questionable quality water oh man well that is to say uh that you have been joshua house i'm at joshua house i'm at i have been a greg wisniewski at coolhead 2010 and our guest was Matthew Corey at I still believe Maddie Maddie 2000 uh, and this has been the episode number 194 of the Artificial Turf Wars and we will talk at you 
next week. <laughs>